Welcome to Education Suspended, a podcast focused on exploring, engaging, and dialoguing with those in education who are passionate about changing the status quo and evolving the archaic system we have inherited. Education Suspended is a production of Intricate Roots Educational Consulting Services. Our editor and production manager is Katie Kunin. Our producer is Jamie Higa, and our music is provided by Poets Row. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Education Suspended. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jessica Pfeiffer. I am actually recording this introduction the evening before we are flying to the Midwest for winter break. Yes, we've made it to winter break. What a semester, right? Whew. But it's all right. We did it. We're still here. We're still kicking. We are strong. We are powerful. I'm proud of all of you. This is our 25th episode, which is nuts, and our fifth reflective dissociation session. So if you're new to these, we like to take time every four episodes just to hit pause and to reflect on what we are learning as hosts to put it all together because there's a lot going on in each episode. So in this series, we talked to Habiba Grimes. We talked to Dr. Matt Duar. We talked to Lindsay Young, and we ended with Chris Jaffe. They are really good episodes. I really hope you enjoy this reflective dissociation. All of me wishes you all a fantastic winter break. Take time for you. Take time for your family. We are blessed to have you in the field of education, uh, regardless of what your role is. Um, And we are blessed to have you joining us and listening to Education Suspended. So sit back and enjoy y'all. Happy holidays. Say, I think I might... I don't know if this mic is even working. I got to check. Okay. Doesn't seem to be hooking up. I never know how to start these reflective dissociation sessions. Well, if we're going to talk about Habiba, <laughs> we're talking about Pep. But Habiba, you know, we, we met her through office hours. And then again, Habiba and I were able to speak to a, a big Saturday conference for Ohio educators. So I got to connect yeah. with her. Habiba again. So it was really special to interview her. That interview, I just, I think there was something so authentic and like just raw about kind of where I was at at the time, kind of feeling burnt out. I think where the system was feeling. And so just kind of being able to have that grounding with her and that perspective just felt really good. Yeah. Habiba, for for me, I, I know one of the sort of seminal books that I read during the pandemic was cast and uh, a really searing expose in some ways of the American caste system. And when I, when I think of Habiba, that book comes to mind because I think she is the one person in our network who has really helped me. And I'm sure you expand our experience and expand our vision and feel of following George Floyd and, and all the other things of inequities and, and and Habiba is a champion you know she's a she's a champion for for our African American community and she's what would you say elegant so well spoken and so powerful that's what when I'm around her I, I just feel a certain sense of power coming out of here like I'm gonna listen now I I agree with you it it, it kind of depends when it hits you in in the in these times and the, the turmoil that we've been through. And I think Habiba brings, you know, grounds us. And I do remember her telling a story about her brother who um, was really failed by the system. It's hard because it was tough to listen to. And yet that's just the reality of our, of our black students in education. Right. And yet she can turn that into hope. And I think Pep 
that's one thing they're doing is they're, they're bringing a greater sense of hope to those kids that they serve. I think a lot of that's raw in Habiba coming from her experience and, and especially with her brother. So that, that was uh, a powerful episode. If anybody returns to it. Well, know. I also think her notion, right. Of like shifting that system. And I think just knowing that it starts with the adults. I think that was one of the biggest takeaways that I had from that constellation of care episode was we have to care for ourselves and we have to, and I, I've just been kind of in the muck of that right now with, with work. My self-care hasn't been that great. And you know, when you're nonstop at work and there's no moment just to pause and care for yourself in that, in that space, I think it has a ripple down effect. It really does. I, I I'm with you. I, I uh, have experienced that overextending, trying to do too much, maybe getting too many thoughts in our heads sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> we, need an a, we, needed a, we needed a little break yeah. <laughs> from recording podcasts to kind of set our compass a little straighter too. And I, I've learned that. And, th- and those are the kind of people that inspire you to get, get back on your feet and get going. My memories of Habiba are of a, a very powerful and intelligent woman who's, who took tragedy and, and turned it into hope. And grace. Grace was the other theme, yeah. right? That tragedy also allows her to understand the importance of grace. And, oh, that's just been that message that we've been shouting from the rooftops. Right. And then, and back to your point, Jessica, the, the emphasis on caring for the adults. I always say, we, we as the adults are sort of the container. And if the container isn't right, it just breaks down in a hurry. Not going to work. You can't hold anything. Can't hold anything. <laughs> you can't hold anything, and you can't hold kids, and you can't hold all of their their experiences, and whether it's trauma or high energy or whatever our kids yeah. are dealing with, or the scourge of social media that's kicking a lot of them around. I think, yeah, she represents grounding. She represents, and that's the grace part. Yeah, not, not much more important word in my vernacular than grace. <laughs> That'll do. I'll just take a bucket of grace, please. Well, that's not just like if you if you're if you are not functioning right with the, not the full cup, but whatever analogy you just used of like if you've got cracks, you can't hold other people's anything. But it's not just about work. I mean, you go home and you can't hold anything for anybody. You can't. It just it impacts the whole the whole you. And being a teacher, being an educator is not just about what you do at work. It's about your life. And so there's just the yeah. full impact everywhere. The other word I'm learning to rhyme with grace is space. <laughs> grace and space. Grace and space. I had to learn the hard way again to give myself more space. Yeah. I remember you told me that. I had a rough patch. I've been sharing it with my, you know, with, with the people I get to help train is that I didn't follow my own advice real well. Hard and, to do. Uh, and I, I wouldn't say I was in a dark, dark place, but I'd say it was gray. And, uh, <laughs> Just like my hair. Oh, look at that. You know, and I feel like I'm bouncing back, but I, I wouldn't uh, without deciding I'll, I'll work for an hour and then I'm, I'm, I'm walking and then I'll work for an hour. And then I just had to give myself space, even slow, just slow myself down. Yeah, we need it. We need, you both, need it. We're, we're both little people who prided ourselves on being quicker than anybody else. And now yeah. that, that doesn't work in adulthood. <laughs> My, I can't be quick anymore. My hips, my legs hurt. I'm getting old. That moving too fast, you know, go like bell to bell, go like hell, what we always say. Yeah. Um, that had to end in, in mm-hmm. my life. And, and I had to take more time, more space and allow it, give permission for it. I like it. Grace and space. That theme, right, of grace, but the space piece was one one big thing that Dr. Duar 
really yeah. highlighted. <laughs> you, you're reading my mind, girl. Yeah. I, we, <laughs> just that. The, we just hit the segue to Dr. Like, we, Matt Dewar. Right? Yeah, we didn't even plan that. Look at us, Grainer. It's like we know what we're doing. We don't know the name of our own podcast, but we know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. We know the name of this podcast. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, I told you this, but I the listeners, if anyone listens to us ramble, you know, I, I had one of one of our educators that we work with in Arizona got a hold of that episode, you know, just chose that one. And uh, she was spreading the word about yeah. Dr. DeBar. I do remember clearly one thing from him. He's And I've shared this many times that two minutes of any kind of breathing before entering a meeting or a, a classroom or two minutes of breath will save you 20 minutes of hell at the end. (laughs) It was so powerful. And it's, I mean, again, like, when did we forget to breathe? Like, when did we get away from that? I've been just so attuned to the fact of like, how tight my chest is, how, how poor I am at breathing in a way that we're supposed to be. And when I'm stressed, ever since that episode, I try to like, okay, let's just, let's just hit this pause, take some deep breaths, not so your, your chest tightens, but just breathe, right? Not this like deep breath in, deep breath out. Nope. Just breathe. That's no, it. In fact, don't, don't you remember Matt telling us, ah, you know, there's, there's a lot of cool techniques. People talk about square breathing and mm-hmm. you know, certain, and Luke teaches us about breathing to the beat. And there, mm-hmm. there's, there's neat things about that, but he said, you know, you don't have to be too fancy here. Just breathe, just breathe, just breathe naturally. But there again, I'm going to go back to that word, make space for breathing. And I can, like you, catch myself not breathing, not yeah. breathing steadily, not breathing, you know, and uh, wow, it's a simple thing, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. But it's we, we forget that breath. I, I think I appreciated his lens as a teacher, right? Like I think when we talk about mindfulness, when we talk about breathing practices, it can be so easy to be like, oh, well, that's that social emotional stuff. Well, no, he, he, he is trained as an educator. And so that's coming from someone that has the full understanding. I think he talked about as like, you know, like the, the capital that is gained academically, socially, emotionally across the board when we bring, you know, a focus back to the body, back to breath. And that was powerful for me, for other teachers to hear that. It was. And that's what I why I think the, the teachers in Arizona were so attracted to that episode and and wanted to know more and shared it with many other teachers because yeah. so much of this, and I, I say this from my teaching experience too, is is about giving yourself permission mm-hmm. to do the right thing, even when the right thing might be viewed as wasting time or not important or you know, what are you doing? I think that's changing. I think that landscape is changing. I think it is. You know, even in our meetings where we'll do a little, and, it, and we did it on a podcast or two where we do a little breathing and we do, you know, we do a little mindfulness. You almost feel guilty sometimes. Like, you know, like, can I give myself permission to actually do this? And uh, is this, oh, no, I need, I want to dig in. I want, you know, no, we, we got to back off a little bit. And I think the system is shifting. I think it has, it's essentially in a position that if it doesn't shift, it's just not going to make it. I mean, that's just kind of where public education is. But Matt's highlight of, you know, those making our decisions, they need to understand the why. And you know, I'm obsessed with that statement, right? Like when I work with systems, I go slow because if you don't change that lens and language, the system's not going to shift. And he really highlighted that of like a lot of leaders, not a lot, but it's, it's, there can be patterns in education that leaders who are leading, leaders who are leading, <laughs> I didn't mean to say that, but you get what I'm saying. 
Yeah. Leader, well, theoretically, right? Leaders who are in charge don't necessarily understand the things that we need them to understand. They actually might not be the best leader that we need as someone that considers himself a leader and you are a leader. It was just really interesting to hear that perspective of like, how do we build leadership capital in our districts in this in this entity of public education that really can begin to shift the whole system to make it work for everybody? Right. Oh, I had a thought. No, I lost it. I think I lost it twice. <laughs> Here's what I was thinking. And as we bring a, what, what to some people seems like a radical approach, but I, I think it's more of a slow evolutionary approach. I have always loved your three to five year plan for everybody. What I want our, want our leaders to know is that we all want the same thing. We yeah. want kids that learn better and we want kids that behave well. We're all after the same thing. What Dr. DeWar made us realize is you can't get to that goal without regulation. That's never going to happen. I've even heard uh, you know, Dr. Perry say to a group, if you want to have the best high school in the state, you better have the most regulated high school in the state. <laughs> Schools trying to get to the top, and that's fully true. Well, we know that. So anyone who gets a chance to pick up on Matt's interview that, that we did with him is we'll get a really fine practical dose of that. That'd be a nice little episode to send your principal, to send your send yeah. people in your school that make decisions. Say, hey, I heard this podcast, thought, thought it might be useful for us to think about it that way. We, we have to make sure leadership knows that we want the same thing mm -hmm. they want. Yeah. We also sometimes need to speak to our leaders and ask them how they're doing. Mm -hmm. I don't know who regulates the superintendent, if the door is even open, but I would love to sit down with any superintendent and just say, how are you doing? And bring the conversation into a community feel rather than a binary us versus them feeling that, that I think our listeners know we're all about improving outcomes for students in every way. Yeah. And thinking outside the box, how do we get there? And I agree with you. The old, the old uh, wine skin's not holding the new wine. Yeah. No, that was not a play on Matt DeWine. No, it's not Matt DeWine. Matt DeWine. <laughs> I love everything about you and everything that just happened. <laughs> All right, let's jump into Lindsay's. I think, again, it's a natural, everything and everything flows with our topic this, you know, these last four episodes. But Lindsay's was really just this tangible, what, what are some of the things that we can be doing, right? It was kind of like a Bobby's with dance and a Luke with music. This was poetry. First off, she's just so talented. Her second book came out since we released it. So that poem that she read on our episode about her mother, that was part of that book. Yeah. Um, but I think, well, and I guess we also talked to Michelle, right? Michelle was our very first episode about storytelling. So I yeah. think I, I, those episodes that we really get some practicality of like, what are modalities that we can use? I really like. And so Lindsay's was very powerful. The art of poetry doesn't have to be anything. What word do I want to use? Um intimidating. I mean, for me personally, it's very intimidating, right? I go right to rhyming. And I thought about, I did, you're not going to be shocked about this. I thought about doing a, a whole rhyming thing for the intro for Lindsay. I'm like, no, I'm going to use like the same six words. Every time. <laughs> so I didn't do it. I, I was, you know, fully in with her because for me as, as the language arts teacher, poetry probably was my favorite thing to teach. It was, it offered the most regulation within the con in the context of a lesson. There are so many forms of poetry that I have recommended to uh, kids who are really dysregulated and struggling, but like to spend time in nature. 
and getting them outside and making them word photographers. That's what I used to call them. You're a word photographer. You go out yeah. and find something and we'd go out. We'd go scrambling around in parks or school ground or just anywhere we could find where we could find unique things in nature and, and to have the kids just brainstorm, write, just write like crazy and then come back and find those power words and turn them into different forms of poetry. Oh, it's magical. So she was... She was magical in that sense. I don't think there's much more power than spoken word poetry. It's an amazing thing. I think more schools could could dig into that. We actually had a yeah. poetry coffee house that we established at, at my middle school. And it, it was as popular event in the whole year. You know, it was packed. Had to do probably three performances. Kids doing spoken word poetry and many different kids. I want to say poetry will bring out power and grace out of kids you never expected it to. There, there will be some kids who will just floor you with their ability to arrange words in a powerful way. So I, I'm all about poetry. Yeah. Yeah. Poetry, man, underused, undervalued. 100%. When Lindsay said at one point, right, like you're like getting, getting the poem into your body, like that was the beautiful piece about that spoken spoken word she described it as that I really connected to of like that's that's why we believe in rhythm that's why that's why you use it as a teacher when you can attach what you're trying to teach to the body <laughs> these yeah. kids they're going to retain it they're going to retain it there's no other way around it yeah I'll, I'll never forget my eighth graders moving creating rhythm claps and snaps and slaps and whatever arrangement we did doing the raven by edgar Allan poe in a circle and we're you know we're moving and chanting and then or the highwayman by alfred noise and they're just in rhythm they're taking turns they're moving and grooving do you think they forget anything about those poems it's uh, locked in locked, locked in. in just like the spice girls it's locked in <laughs> okay you're you're stretching my uh <laughs> You're stretching my pop culture, uh, and it doesn't take much when it comes to stretch my pop culture knowledge, but I, I do know who the Spice Girls are. Perfect. I'm not sure why I said that, but <laughs> it happens. You're, you're revealing your generation right now. That's all right. I love a good Spice Girls song, Never Hurt Anybody. Oh, goodness, no. But power, there, there's so much power in poetry, and then you yeah. can attach it to nature. During the pandemic, I, I took my granddaughters and, and the neighbor kids, and our, we had our little education bubble. I shouldn't say during the pandemic. I think we're still in it. But we would go out and do nature poetry and uh, write haiku and sing cane and just different mm -hmm. styles of poems. It was just a wonderful experience and to help us cope with the isolation and the struggle of COVID. Yeah. We were able to be outside, we were able to be safe, doing it right, and, uh, and still create, even yeah. in that sort of sad, isolated space. For Chris, right, when we moved into when we moved into that interview, I really debated on like, is this the time to put the interview out? I think for Aurora, I mean, that was two weeks after we had those two shootings in our district. There was that other school shooting shortly after that in Michigan. So I just debated on, was that the right time? But it felt right. And I think it was because the manifestation that we were seeing of the isolation of the loneliness of that lack of grace, of that lack of space, our students are feeling it. And yeah. so it was a tough decision. I mean, even this week, right? I think it was, I mean, we're recording obviously before we're going to release this on Monday, but I think yesterday was the anniversary of Sandy Hook. So right. it's just, it's never an easy topic to talk about, but I thought Chris did a really good job. And, you know, his language, his language about pivoting 
our language, instead of calling it like a risk assessment, I loved how I said that connections assessment. That's why we named the episode that, but it also highlights that we have, we have to be able to create an environment around our students that no one's isolated. I a hundred percent agree. And, and I, and I wonder if that connectedness was in place, how many school shootings we may have avoided. Mm-hmm. I don't want to begin. I'm not even about to begin criticizing. I think of this last terrible tragedy in Michigan. I feel for those school people. Um, how you're in a big district. What I think they would appreciate about Chris, his podcast is he had this wonderful balance in my memory. I'm thinking this, this is the guy I would want to consult with because he brings everybody relationally into the topic of school security. And yet he's, he's also knows you got to be tough sometimes. And you, you, you know, you, he just had a great balance. Um, when he said that too, right? Of like, I mean, risk is risk. It's it's humanly impossible to get rid of risk. Um, and that word alone kind of, you know, leans into something negative. But risk can be an opportunity for us to understand where are there gaps. But that theme, I think, was really very clear for him. Um, and he openly articulated the highest risk are those kids that are not connected. And so that really... There's no sugarcoating that. That connection, that human connection is prevention, as preventative as one can be, right? Filling that gap of isolation, of loneliness. I feel like we talk about that in almost every episode, but I feel like he did a really good job of going back to that. And that focus must be relationships. Um, It must be relationships for the students, for the parents, for the families, for the teachers, for the community across the board. Yeah, when when we we risk the imbalance of real flesh and blood, eye to eye, face to face connection versus social media connection. I think there's wonderfully and possibilities with social media connection, but we have to really in schools foster the face to face, flesh and blood, deep human connection that that is the only thing that's going to save us from the security issues that we're dealing with in a country that's full of isolated, lonely people who will now find power with their hands on a gun. It's a full loop right back to Abibas, right? We've got to have grace and space for our educators so we can give it to our kids, to Matt. So we've got to have leaders that understand this and teach that social emotional framework in all things, especially in academics for why it matters. Right. And then Lindsay's poetry of like, this is something that we can use to create that. So they all fit really well. Well, they always fit really well, but kind of lending, lending itself to that last theme of connection. And we need it. We we need it so bad. Yeah. So bad. I'm sure in working in a district like Aurora that has been strained by a number of really high profile incidents, you must see it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's hard to miss. Overwhelming uh, in some ways. Yeah. Well, it's overwhelming because I think I think innately everyone fully understands that th- this far into the pandemic that if that we must have grace and space, that we mu- that we must have regulation in relationships. And so what I am experiencing are teachers in systems that are not allowing that. And so you and I have talked about this last two weeks to the nth degree. What is happening is that you have this moral moral injury happening, right? And that is why teachers are just walking away from this profession because what they know they need, what they know their students need, they're not getting. No one making policy right now is saying, hey, cancel state testing. 
no one making policy right now is like, hey, we're going to shift funding so you can get more art teachers, physical education teachers, music teachers. No one is shifting policy that is saying these kids in middle school need two 20-minute recesses, let alone let's get a first grader two 20-minute recesses minimum. So the system's not shifting. The system is placing these educators in a position that they know better exists and they're not able to do it. And that is the perfect storm for moral injury and burnout. And so teachers are just walking away. Not just teachers, mental health people, administrators across this country, right? If people are just leaving the profession altogether because that moral injury is so hard on the soul. And so I think there's so much to take from these four episodes of like, how do we heal that? How do we get back from that? Because we've we've got to do it. Enough is enough. And I, again, I'm going to go back to the Jessica systems approach it's we got to be in it for the long term can't be reactionary it just has to be the way i'm a broken record saying schools need to be therapeutic communities resilient communities we can build that in schools but it always will come back to that word connection yeah absolutely well hopefully we're going to get some connection over this christmas break what are you doing over your break i have my uh Three grandies coming from Albuquerque. That's right. Well, that's right. They have parents too. I forgot they had parents, but uh, no, they're not driving up by themselves. The oldest one is five. My Christmas will not be quiet, but Good. it'll be it'll be wonderfully noisy and crazy. Good. And I'm ready for. I'm. Re- I think I'm ready for that. Been thinking too hard. I gotta. You gotta. No, no, gotta stop it. Stop it right now. Stop thinking. Unleash that thinking engine and just uh, coast for a while. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna. How about you guys? We're heading to um, Lake Forest for a couple, couple of days and then we're heading to, to Ames and be with my mom, be with Oma. Oh, we're excited. Better. Nothing better. Again, my mom doesn't realize that I will also be there. That it's not, We're just not going to drop Quinn off, that we're going to be there as well. She doesn't care. She just wants Quinn. <laughs> That's it. Right. You're just, you'll, well, you know, you, you'll fill up a, your extra furniture. You just, yep. just show up. As long as I can just nap on the couch, no one, no one needs anything else from me. That's it. That's it. Grainer, 25. We've made it to 25 episodes, which seems nuts. This our this is our last episode of 2021. I know. And uh we have a lot to look forward to. We do. We're gonna get some good episodes out there. Good, good episodes. Well, I, I love you and I appreciate you doing this. And well, you know, I love you back. This um, year's been great because of you. So thank you. Let's just keep whittling away. Whittling away. All right. Bye, y'all.